Hey, everybody, just a quick message from Bob and Bonkers Network. We would like to remind everybody that certain topics of discussion may not be comfortable for all listeners. Certain viewpoints may not reflect those of our partners, sponsors, affiliates, our hosts, or that of our guests. We would like to encourage everybody to keep a respectful and open climate of discussion for all topics, no matter how disturbing they may be. So viewer discretion is advised. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Saturday night. We're back, and we are joined by Dave Schrader himself. And I am proud to introduce you to him because this is oh my god, this is this is I can't help myself. I've got to say this because you all my friends that they didn't believe me. Well, I would have you on as a guest. I, I appreciate it, and in order to celebrate such a momentous occasion, I want you to know that I learned one of your Scottish songs uh, to celebrate. Yeah. Oh. Um, so oh. if you don't mind, right? Just as, you know, it's. I know that the Scottish Highlands and the the territories out there have got some of the most beautiful and oh, yeah. and gorgeous areas and musicians and songs that are inspired. So I believe it goes S A T U R D A Y night S A T U R D A Y night. You rock me to the second row on Saturday night. Saturday night. Am I on? Is that about right? <laughs> oh my that, that, God! That's that. The Bay City Rollers—you can't get more Scottish, right? That's that. I'm going to phone oh. the Parliament tomorrow and get the national anthem changed for that. And I'm going to have you come it in when be. we become independent, <laughs> and you can sing that song for us. That I think brilliant. that should. I just—I'll get all the lyrics here, and that'll be your opening theme every Saturday. <laughs> just yeah. me doing the I'm Mike Myers it. horrible Scottish brogue. I I always found I always found it very funny. Honestly, when I was listening to Darkness Radio, when I first started listening to you, I think it's when you first started, and you used to you'd be reading like an article, like a ghost was haunting a castle in Scotland. Oh my god! And it's just the way you would put in your Scottish accent, and it was just so funny, you know. You know, it's funny because there are a few countries that that they they roll with it, they laugh at it. Uh, Ireland, not so much. I can pick on Australian accents. I can do bad Scottish accents, German accents, uh, even hoity-toity French accents. And I get emails from people from all those countries that yeah. laugh and, and get the joke. Oh, yeah. When I do, when oh, I do yeah. Irish, I, they get so mad at me. I've noticed that. I have pissed yeah. off a few Irish, too. <laughs> really? A Scotsman that pissed off the Irish? Yeah. Get out of here. Oh, wow. I know. I know. I don't know if you've seen the, what is it, William Wallace, you know, Braveheart. Right. That's a popular one. So anyway, Dave, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. how are you and how's things in the paranormal world? Good. Thanks for having me. Have a good rest of your night. <laughs> oh, you wanted more? Uh, everything's yeah, going well. It's been a it's been a crazy couple of years, of course, with COVID and yeah, and the world yeah. slowly reopening. But I'm back out there. I'll be. Uh, I just got back from from Ireland. I uh, will be out in Scotland in September Ooh. with a group of about 30 of my closest friends, and we'll be doing a tour of Haunted Scotland, and then I'll be back out in Ireland in, um, uh, what is it, October. So uh, September in, in Scotland, October in Ireland, and then February I'm heading out to uh, Egypt to do an event out Egypt? there as well. So oh, mm-hmm. Whereabouts in Egypt? You go into the Great Pyramids? That will be... Yes, yeah. yeah. Unless my budget can't go, I might just go for the somewhat middling pyramids. 
Uh, well, it depends. We'll, we'll, we'll need to put your links out there and we'll need to get you some fundraisers. Fundraisers, <laughs> <laughs> where's the money? I know. I just I know. can't wait. I just can't wait to eat at the McDonald's inside the Great Pyramids. There's got to be one. They're everywhere. <laughs> that's that's the thing you, you're always yep. talking about. Uh, was it the McRib? Is that not your favorite? The McRib? Oh, the McRib, oh, yeah. Okay. But the way you say it sounds a lot dirtier. The McRub. Aye, the McRub. <laughs> That'll cost you a a wee bit extra to get the McRub. Well, if you pay the right amount over here, I could probably arrange it for you, you know. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, I I always tell people when I go to town, I go, uh, when we get to some town, I'm like, hey, let's try some unique cuisine. How about a Scottish restaurant? There's this McDonald's down the road. We should give it a shot. Oh, God. (laughs) Although I believe Haggis and the McRib may be the same. Exact thing. I'm not sure. When no, did they put Jim Max in the McRib? What? No, 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 no. Haggis, haggis. You've got to try a deep fried mm-hmm. haggis and bar. I don't actually. I don't have to try it at all, and you're not going to yeah. talk me into it. Yeah, you, no, honestly, it's it's better than the mm. McRib. There you go. Say it there. With what? The McRib. <laughs> the McRib. The haggis is better than the McRib. Oh, this oh, is going to get turned into merch. Oh my god, that's definitely. I would just like to say to some people in the chat, especially PWI sure. spiritual investigators, welcome. And there's Mike, the naked Bigfoot. Is what's that? I just told them that after the show, I would bring him in. You could uh, get to meet him, and he's so happy right now. So sure, that's awesome. I, I think he's. I think he's getting all excited. You know, don't get so, too excited there, Mike. Keep your clothes on. That's yes, well. He's a naked Bigfoot. Yeah, he's already but, put the yeah, name actually, right out there. <laughs> He's actually in a kind of weird location. It's, he stays in uh, West Virginia. And he's actually, his property is actually tormented by Bigfoot. I'm he's serious. tormented I, by Bigfoot? Oh, uh, right, yeah. He's, he's got a crazy... When you get to meet him after the show, no doubt he'll tell you. So, Dakota, uh, how are you? Uh, I'm enjoying I'm you old. absolutely fangirling right now, man. I can't help it. I, I, I'm one of the legends in the paranormal field, and one of the legends in the, the YouTube. And no, it's me. It's Dave Schrader. Who are you, who'd you think you were talking to? Jason Hawes? So, I'm, <laughs> no, honestly, you're, you're you're one of the best. You know, with the holes and that. stuff. You know, right? Anyway, I would like to ask you. We better get this interview underway. You know, could talk all morning. Yeah. Sure. Can I ask you? Can I ask you, Dave? How did you actually get into the paranormal? How did it all start for you? Um, you know, as I've said a million times, it's just always been a part of my life. Uh, yeah. you know, I didn't really go into it. It's just always been a part of who I am. And, and I've had hauntings and a Bigfoot sighting, naked Bigfoot sighting on top of it. Uh, why I was naked. There's still no answer for that. I've seen UFOs. <laughs> I've had, uh, Mike, had what are you of- doing? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> He's giving me a mic rub. Right? Don't ask questions. <laughs> Do, do you know Mike in real life? Did, are you two years friends? Are these? Mm. Okay. No, <laughs> yeah, we're friends. Who are you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, it's just always been a part of an active part of my life. So I've, I've accepted it for what it is and enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. I, it's, mm. I, it's amazing the paranormal field. I mean, I, I bet you've seen some amazing things in your your life in the paranormal field. Can you tell us a wee bit about the Holzer Files because that's one of the one of the best shows that was on the TV until the accident, which I was not very happy about. Yeah, me neither. Um, the, the Holzer Files was a really cool opportunity for us to go back and re-examine the case files of one of America's legendary paranormal investigators, Dr. Hans Holzer. Yes. He kind of coined the term the other side. He coined the term ghost hunting. You know, So his he had a TV show called The Ghost Hunter back in, I think it was the yeah. 70s. So he is one of the first that was really out there making a name for it and trying to make it um, acceptable like it is nowadays. And uh, Dr. Holzer was meticulous in what he did with his investigations. And to get an opportunity to reopen those case files and go back in and examine these stories with the 21st century uh, equipment, 21st century uh, capabilities of research, it, it just... It was a no-brainer. I, I couldn't wait to get involved, and then I, you know, got to meet Cindy and Shane in person, and yeah. we hit it off like uh, brothers and sisters. 
and uh, just really did well together. Um, and, you know, we enjoyed two seasons, 23 episodes. And whether we ever get to do another one again or not, I'm just excited that I got the opportunity to do 23 case files that are forever now bound to Dr. Hans Holzer. Yeah. I mean, it was an awesome show. It was an awesome show. And I mean, Thank you. Mike and the, Mike, <laughs> talking to Mike and the Naked Bigfoot in the chat again, he actually was that sad that it ended. He, he actually wrote a letter to the to the people that, that made it. He was that pissed off. I mean, it, it, they really need to bring it back. I think they need to bring it back because it was, there is a lot of shows out there now. I mean, I'm not naming them, but there's a lot of shows out there now that they're not like yours were. Yours were really good investigations. And they told the story. You. you know, they told the story, the real story of the people, you know. Mm-hmm. And I just I just think it's... Why, why, why give all these other channels the success because the name Demons This, Demons That, all they're, all, all, all they're out there for is like chasing demons, basically. Whereas you guys actually done a proper investigation and in some locations that were famous for being haunted. You would go in and right. say, we don't feel nothing, nothing's happening. And that's, that is paranormal investigating. Mm-hmm. No going into every location and finding a demon hiding in a cupboard. <laughs> well, you know, it's it's easy it's easy to jump to the demon bandwagon um, yeah. because sometimes you, when you get rattled and something hurts you, something scares you and takes you out of your comfort zone, it's easy to want to point a finger because nobody wants to believe that you just look like a buffoon to a normal ghost. Um, you know, yeah. so I, we all kind of think we want the comfort of saying, oh, something so horrific and evil, but... On the other hand, a lot of these other shows are going to places specifically that have a pretty dark history yeah. and ties and demonic activity known to take place there. We weren't. Uh, Dr. Holzer did not put a lot of stock and faith into that, so he didn't go searching and looking for places like that. Um, so, you know, he very rarely ran into a case that he felt had any kind of demonic underpinnings so you know that that's kind of how it played out but we were lucky too we had a great production company and the network stood behind us they weren't trying to force demons down our throat when we had a moment that scared us we were able to collect ourselves and you know first we'd woo demon demon and then we'd calm down and realize we just had a scary ghost we just had a ghost that's misunderstood and that was really part of what pleased me about working with this and i think a lot of people have taken to the show and rerun form now on Discovery Plus and on the different channels that it airs. But um, what I really believe happened um, was that we missed out with the name. Uh, When you've got shows like Destination Fear, Ghost Adventures, Ghost Mm -hmm. Nation, Ghost Hunters, Kindred Spirits, Dead Files, Ghost Brothers, you know, Fright Club, Holzer Files, our audience went to this because very few people knew what a Holzer was. And instead of giving you the opportunity to teach them, a lot of people skip it just looking for the ghost. And once they found us, they loved the show, but it was a little too little too late. And we missed out on that uh, rung. But I'm I'm very happy with the fact that people are still finding us and love the work that we did. And and shows like this are still wanting to talk about it. Yeah. I mean, I think we all need to pick it and send our letters into the TV studio. We need we need a season three back. We definitely need a season three back. And hopefully yeah. it will happen. And I think you should keep it called The Holzer Files. Because, I mean, a lot of Well, I of think the, it should have been like yeah. the whole... If it would have been called Holzer's Ghost Files, I think that yeah. would have fit everything. It would have given people... Uh, because on, in all honesty, viewers are kind of lazy. Uh, we as general are lazy. If, if, if your product doesn't say what it is, it, it, yes. people just kind of skim over it because they have, they're going in, I want to find a good Bigfoot show. And if the show's called Crazy Cryptids, they may not know Cryptid is tied to Bigfoot. They're okay. just looking for a Bigfoot. So you, mm-hmm. you really got to tighten it up. So Holzer's Ghost Files, I think, would have done us a, a bigger, better service and we'd be we'd be well on our way into season yeah. five by now. But yeah. Cindy Keza and myself got rolled over to a new program um, that will be coming out this fall called the uh, Ghosts of Devil's Perch. It's Ooh. Butte, Montana. The two of us, along with Katie um, Stafford, uh, go there because uh, the 
the police chief and the mayor were, were seeking help. So we put together our team and went out there to look into these claims of, of the strange and supernatural and see what we could uncover. Um, and that begins airing, uh, in America here, uh, I think mid August through mid October. That sounds absolutely amazing, guys. So you'll need to wait for that. I can't, I can't wait for that to come out. I'm going to uh, watch yeah. that. So, Dakota, would you like to ask a question? Oh, oh yeah, of course. But uh, like I said, you know I'm letting you have your moment here. <laughs> That'll be a shock. So a lot of, like we were talking about before the show, a lot of the 21st century equipment has allowed for a lot more in-depth observations of potentially paranormal phenomenon. What would you do, say do, would be... Do, do, do. What? What? It's the OCD it? thing. You say that phenomena thing and it just comes to mind. Oh, God. Phenomena. Oh, All right. God. Oh, Go ahead. I'm sorry. Phenomena. Phenomena. Next thing you know, the smelly gas is going to make its way into the show. Yeah. So we already have a smelly host. Anyway, smelly gaster. Oh, my goodness. All right. So I'm sorry. Your question, I'm sure, was very good before I derailed it. Uh, That's okay. We're used to things getting derailed. Basically, as I was going to say, where do you think the paranormal field is going to go? Because I've noticed, and a lot of researchers we've worked with have also noticed, that there's a lot more open-minded approach to where even active psychiatric facilities are reaching out to paranormal groups for help on potential hauntings. So what are your thoughts? That's what's uh, right. Can I call BS? I have a hard time believing that. I, I have a hard time believing that active psychiatric hospitals are looking for ghost hunters help. I don't see it. They're, they're I have licensed. one. Dakota. I, I'm telling the truth. Dick. Dakota, a Chuck E. Cheese is not an insane asylum, and if they asked for your help, that, that's what was going on. It had nothing to do with – I just have a hard time believing that a real facility or, or somebody in charge of I didn't believe it either. I didn't yeah. believe it either. Then I started doing background research on the client, and I'm just like, uh, what is going on? But did his superiors know that he had asked you for help on this? Because that's that's where it gets crazy to me. That opens up a whole weird can of worms. Uh, listen, I believe that psychiatric issues, some of which yeah. can be uh, attributable to uh, the paranormal, um, you know, uh, some of what people call these voices are talking to. I think there's something to it. I've heard voices out yeah. loud. Uh, thankfully, none of them have told me to run over anybody. Um you know, those are just the quieter voices in the back of my head <laughs> in traffic going, you got to run this guy over. But, um, you know, I think I think the world has become a lot more open and accessible to the concept of the paranormal. There are police officers that have paranormal teams. These guys are bent on logic and and looking for true evidential aspects. Um, and, and so to me, if, if you're starting to get people like that involved and. Look, five years ago, any time a UFO story came on the news, right, it was preceded with the X-Files theme and kind of a yeah. – you had the, the host of the news going, well, today there was a UFO sighting over Loch Ness, <laughs> and uh, this is this is what locals had to say about it. I was sitting over there, can't believe she didn't come over. She gave a story, and I got a great monster to come out of the water. I saw it, but she came out here, and we all saw it together. Right, and 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 then they come back. Of it. What did you say? <laughs> they come back to the host. Oh and the host is like, exactly. That's exactly what we thought. UFOs are they real? Who cares? Pass me another wee drum, and that was it. Right, end of the story. They always mocked it. Mm-hmm. There's always a joke to everybody yeah. about um, these kind of stories. Now, the pen. You know, I almost said pentagram. The Pentagon came out releasing things. There's news yeah. about UFOs every week. NASA has has entered the fray to spend nine months conservatively looking into UFOs. So you've got much bigger things going on here. Um, 
you've got major universities around the world in Edinburgh as well uh, that are doing research mm-hmm. on That's on right. um, afterlife and reincarnation and and the paranormal. And these aren't wingnut chapters of the college. It's not like some online TV schooling that you can do. It's real academies, real educational facilities that are, are researching this. So I think we're at a, a point where we're we're getting into it in a better way. The main problem is all of us little petty investigators out in the field that aren't tied to science, really. You know, I how many people tell you, oh, we, we approach it from a scientific aspect. And, okay, so tell me exactly what the tools, well, I saw this tool on ghost adventures, and it beeps when ghosts come near it. But what's the science behind it? Well, there's an electromagnetic frequency, and if it's interrupted, it'll blink. But what else can you tell me about it? Did I mention they use it on ghost adventures, right? And that's the the depth of yeah. the knowledge. They don't understand why these tools, first of all, these tools weren't brought in to prove ghosts exist. They were brought in to disprove and to find natural phenomena that were, that were caused and that these tools were there to try to understand what was actually taking place there. Only rudimentary, you know, kind of as a secondary aspect of it, we realized, well, if they can influence the magnetic field, can they communicate to us through these devices as well? Yeah. So I, I just think we all have to come together and start treating each other better with more respect in the field, sharing. Yeah. You know, I think a location, listen, I'm, I'm here in Minnesota. So let's mm-hmm. say there's um, Minnesota Paranormal Investigator Group, MinPig. It's a real thing. Uh, and then uh, Minnesota Paranormal Research Center, right? And uh, mm-hmm. uh, the Paranormal 60 Paranormal Hot Squad. Let's say we all find a location. You know, first team, MinPig goes in and investigates it, collects their data, collects their notes mm-hmm. and everything. They pull out the next group, and mm-hmm. MNPRS goes in and does it, and then Paranormal 60, Paranormal Hot Squad goes in and we investigate it. Then what we do is I think the anchors of each one of our teams should come together, show results of evidence that we found, see if the other one had anything like that or could debunk what was what was seen, um, give us more insight into these aspects of it. We've got then got three independent sources doing three independent investigations without influencing one another about what they captured, where they captured it. That is the type of information. Then you collate it, put it together into one comprehensive report, and then go in for perhaps a fourth investigation where you have key team members from the three different teams going together now seeking these hot spots to see if they can find out what's A, causing these anomalies to take place, B, can we truly interact with something there, so that you're you're kind of keeping each other in a peer-reviewed segment, but doing it out of respect, not, well, we're going to show you how the right way to do it. There is no right way to do it. There are wrong ways to do it, but we should be we should be educating the field. We should be pushing it forward with positivity, teaching each other about better techniques. And, and, um, you know, I've, I'm 17, 18 years into full on investigating and I'm still learning new techniques and new ideas and new ways to take the paranormal investigation or spirit communication. And my ideology of what a ghost is has changed radically through 17 years. Um, so I, you know, I don't think there is a, definition for a ghost. I think ghosts are these anomalous figures that could be slips in time, disincarnate souls, echoes of our own mind, projections of our own grief. I I think that there's a lot of these things that take place. Yeah. It's it's quite interesting you said that about slips in time because I've always seen, I've always found that. I mean, it's, how can I say this? It's like, I've watched programs where it's like, um, oh yeah, they've seen like a phantom walking through the room and stuff like that. And it makes you wonder, did they maybe experience something? Maybe it's like, say it was the 1800s for them, and say the ghost investigators, did they experience maybe them? Maybe it was like a slap in the time. You see what I'm trying to go with this? Well, Louisville, Kentucky at Waverly Hills, they talked about when it was an active hospital that nurses and doctors would see strange people and figures. And then we're in there investigating and we round the corner and a nurse ghost sees us and turns around and runs the other way. Were we the weird thing they saw in 1950? 
right? Was it just that one moment in time when, when the veil thinned and we were able to see through it to each other? And that's mm-hmm. truly what a ghost is. So I think that there's aspects of that. Um, but then there is intelligent conversation. I think we might be dealing with parallel universes, um, you know, and with all the damage we're doing to our earth with, and, and I'm not a tree hugger, you know, uh, but we're doing so many different things, so many different technologies that could be tearing the fabric of reality, you know, and, and, and we're in, and again, these are all just theories, but that could be what's causing a lot of what's taking place. Yeah. I mean, you look at all the experiments that's been done over the years with the nuclear weapons. Can you imagine mm-hmm. what that's actually done to, let's say, dimensional barriers? Right, right. And it's it's quite interesting. Hospitals, I've, I've noticed that in hospitals, there is a lot of hauntings in hospitals, obviously because, yes, people have died there. But maybe it's something more to do with maybe there's a lot of equipment gets used in hospitals too. Even mm-hmm. active hospitals. Mm-hmm. I've seen like more. I know someone that works in a, quite a big hospital in Glasgow, and it's a modern hospital and it's famous for the MRI. And every time the MRI machines are on, weird things happen. So it, it makes you wonder right. if it's maybe that's affecting the reality that you're in. Exactly right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or affecting our mentality so that we're perceiving right. things differently. Right. That's right. That's that, that's actually quite interesting because a lot of people might be affected and they're they're like oh my god I can see a ghost but mm-hmm. they're the only person that's seen the ghost because it's them that's right. been affected. But are they? Yeah. Are they? You know, could somebody else that was near them see the same thing? If they were, you know, there are these shared near death experiences where somebody is dying in hospice and they start to see lights and angels and somebody they're visiting starts to have the experience with mm-hmm. them because they're kind of in that same vibe in that same zone yes. um and if you're tied together does this allow you to see it uh or just because you're dying and the brain and the chemicals are shutting down is it that uh you you we got to give it up to just hallucinations no maybe those are what's those neurons are stripped now. The, the the brain is fully exposed and able to see beyond the parameters we give it. I mean, there are a lot of tricks. Our brain fills in a lot of spots, right? Mm-hmm. Our brain tries to make sense of things. We have blind spots, and you could literally take a piece of paper, draw a dot on it, and then hold it out to the side of your head and watch, and all of a sudden you'll see the dot disappear. It's yeah. still there, your eyes perceiving the paper, but your eyes going... Well, everything on its white, I'll just fill it in and it becomes white. So if we're not in a place or expecting to see the supernatural, we very well may be just looking past it through that yeah. gauzy haze of our own yeah. concepts, you know? Can, can I ask you, Dave, what is your feelings in the afterlife? What, what do you actually think happens when your time's up, when it is your time? I don't know. That's part of what pushes me to keep going forward. Yeah. I want to believe... You know, obviously, there is so much really well-documented, fascinating cases of of um, reincarnation. As a matter of fact, one of my grandchildren is going through that right now and talking about when they were alive before. So I really think that that's an interesting aspect. Now, the other thing you could look at is, okay, could this kid be tuned in to the same psychic level of that person that once lived? Are they just picking up a frequency? Are they picking up that life pattern and their brain is interpreting it as their own because they don't know how to separate it? It's right. When you get into a meditative state and you're in a dream state, your brain can't discern between a real and a vividly imaginative experience. That's why your body shuts down at night. And that's why when I'm fighting Rocky in my dreams, I'm not beating the hell out of my wife. Right. I'm chasing after a McRub. Right. The, 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 chemicals in your brain keep your body shut down so that you can process all these things without physically necessarily acting it out. Now, if you have neurological issues, which leads to sleepwalking, sleep paralysis, and yeah. other things, then then that says something unto itself. But it's so hard to truly define what is a paranormal experience taking place, What what is the afterlife. There are so many people in so many cultures that have so many beliefs and their beliefs are, you know, I saw this yeah, giant yes. Zen garden, 
Well, that's their heaven. I am starting to believe that we are, in a sense, part of a matrix, a matrix of our own creation. Hell is yeah. going to be, if we leave this planet thinking we deserve hell, we're going to get painful. hell for a while. I think we're going to yeah. see the worst of the worst. We're going we're gonna to have to deal with it. I think hell is facing all the people. You know, that one day I picked on Dakota in, in, in eighth grade and made fun of him and Dude, you're a bald eighth grader. You idiot. <laughs> Nobody's going to hey. love you. Right. <laughs> and then I think, I think hell to me is going to be going back. And then from that point yeah. forward, reliving Dakota's life yeah. to see how my words affected and impacted him for the rest of his yeah. life and all those moments of, of insecurity and, and self-loathing and, and hurting himself because yeah. somebody hurt him. I think that, I think, People are going to relive those moments. To me, that's yeah. truly what hell is. So I've been trying to readjust my life so that I'm not that guy. So that at the end of this deal, you know, I'm I'm only met with good memories from Chris yeah. and Dakota. Not not yeah. the you know making feel bad. Yeah, the let you straight in. Be like, There's that guy there. What a man. <laughs> that's <laughs> right. Know? Right, I and that and I think heaven is going to be doing the same thing. I think it's it's two sides of the same coin. Heaven to me will be seeing and getting to live through the eyes of all the people I've positively affected and watch how I might have that one day I smiled at somebody or I stooped to lend a hand or threw a hundred bucks to them to help them get out of the problem they were in, how that set their life on a different course. And I can watch that play out. I think that's heaven to me is watching the good things that we've done, not looking for the pat on the back, not looking for the attaboy, but I think to me that is my my version of heaven. That and being surrounded by my children and, and wife and uh, yeah. and all my pets. That'll be heaven. I mean, I mean, Dave, thank you all the people that you've aspired today. Stuff. I mean, I I'm going to, I'm going to say it. I'm blaming you, Dave. This is what got me into this field, Darkness Radio. This is what got me into it. Honestly, it's your fault. That's right. But you've you've inspired me. I've got so many bastard children out there. Do you know how many people have told me that they started their paranormal radio show because of darkness? So I could take that one of two ways. One is a compliment that I inspired somebody. Or second, as somebody going, this guy is pure and utter shite. I need to create my own show so that people can actually find out what's entertaining. So either way, I guess if I inspired you, that's the positivity of it. So I hope it, no, it played out well it's, it's for no you. Just, it's not just that. I'll take, I'll take a road, right? I take a road. I, I used to suffer. Well, I still do. I still suffer from really bad depression, right? Mm -hmm. And I would listen to you, and you would talk on, you would talk on that, and you had the same kind of problems. And mm -hmm. I was like, I'm like, I was moved. I was like, look at this guy. I, I bet I could do the same stuff as this guy, right? And sure. then I started that's exactly what I hoped. Yeah, and then I started doing it, and it's opened up the door. It's opened up the door. I've got friends Great. in the chat, Mike the Naked Bigfoot, Smith Family, Sherry Paranormal World Investigators, Dakota. It's opened up. It's gave me all new friends. So I can thank you for the bottom of my heart. You have done the world of good here. Well, thank you from <clears> the bottom <throat> of my heart for letting me know that. Dakota, something going on behind you. I keep, yeah. you keep turning and giving me like the, the $5 bill profile. Yeah, KT's going off like crazy. Yeah. Mm. You know what that means. <clears throat> your phone's on, and you need to set it to airplane mode so it's not getting pinged by all the messages. See, I'm a skeptical believer. I've seen weird things, but I also know that, you know. Maybe. I don't know. That's actually maybe. a good point. What is your favorite ghost hunting gadget, Dave? Uh you know, I like all tools for different aspects and different reasons. Um, mainly the recorder because I like an immediate response. I like yeah. uh, I'm an MTV generation guy. I want oh, my yeah. MTV and I want it now, right? So I, I like being able to open it up, ask a few questions, play it back, see if I got a response, start yes. up another set of questions, turn it off, see if I got a response. If I get a response, try to take the conversation forward. Unfortunately, that doesn't happen that often. We get the stray messages here and there, but, you know, even that excites me. But the recorder, I like the SLS camera, but it's fallible. I like the K2 meter, but it's fallible. I like, uh, you know, spirit boxes, but they're fallible. There's so much to it that's just, yeah. you know, you could easily dismiss all of it. But, you know, here's the deal. I was never happier in my life than when I believed in things like Santa and the Easter Bunny and the Tooth Fairy and magic and, and that yeah. real life exists and that the 
I don't know, you know, that, that anything could happen, that potential. So I'm trying to put myself back in that mindset as I get older because that's where I was happiest. So it'd be really easy to downplay every experience, but I also like the wonder of it, the awe of it. And sometimes I like to just hear people's stories, whether I believe them or not, because to me it's equally as fascinating to hear why Dakota believes what he believes than it is to hear the actual story. Because to me it's fascinating getting into that psychology of why. Why do you believe, Dakota, that fairies come in every night and tuck you in and and make you cookies when you're sleeping? And, you know, why can't you believe it's just your mom? You know, no, 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 because my mom doesn't. She's allergic to cookies. So uh, so to me it's it's kind of sweet to listen to people's aspects of why things exist and how they exist. Dakota. Very good point. No, I was just going to say, my mother can't cook worse shit. <laughs> so that's how I would know. If she's watching this, wow. she's going to get you. You know that? That's terrible. That, that's, that, that's, that's terrible. Dave, can can you tell us a wee bit about the Lizzie Borden place? Uh, yeah, Lizzie Borden. She took an axe. She gave her yeah. mother 40 wax. When she saw what she had done, she gave her father 41. Uh, that's the old... That's yeah. the old parable. Could you believe that that existed while she was alive? Kids used to play hopscotch out front of her house singing that song. Could you imagine living through that? If you truly were innocent, even if you weren't, if you're guilty, that's got to suck that there's like a song about what a horrible human you are, right? Um, uh, I wonder if she ever opened up the window and went, it was 13 wax, you little jerk, right? Uh, you know, and, and owned up to some of it, but. It's an amazing story. I don't think we'll yeah. ever truly get the answer. I don't uh I don't think Lizzie I don't think Lizzie was fully responsible for the murder. No. Uh murders. I think that there was something either influencing yeah. her, meaning something otherworldly influencing her yes. or um uh, mental illness that was still not diagnosed, but there was just too much, uh, too much that pointed in other directions. So I understand why she was acquitted. Um, yeah. but we, we may never know the case was really powerful when we got to do the story, the curse of Lizzie Borden, um, which was a, a one-off shock doc. They call it on travel yeah. channel and the discovery plus network. Um, I did it with my good, good friend, Chris Fleming and Sam Beltrusis, who is a, uh, direct descendant of the Borden family. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we got to go in with uh, a, a woman who was very proficient at getting EVP at the, at the house and uh, Luann Jolly. And okay. she got some great uh, connection. And, and between the four of us, we had a very impactful, powerful moment. Sadly, a lot of it was not caught on camera because cameras kept failing. All of them, independent cameras kept shutting I down. Equipment kept shutting down. Yeah. So we missed a lot of, what I think was some of the coolest aspects of it, but I'll still hold that. That's still a part of me, just like all the episodes of Holzer files. And there was a lot of evidence that was never revealed on the Holzer files, because although it was fascinating, it didn't play into the story that we were telling. So we kind of had to overlook it knowing that we might go back again in the future and reinvestigate that location. And now we're going to go after that ghost and see if we can get, you know, push a little harder and find out what that spirit story was all about. Yeah. Well, what would you say, what what type of experience moved you the most? Um, you know, the, the episode at Franklin Castle in uh, Ohio, because that one resonated with me on so many levels. I'm a dad. The little girl that passed away there passed away from um, uh, complications due to diabetes. My daughter had almost died three years prior to that date. Um, from complications to diabetes and that during the investigation, I thought, well, you know what? Uh, this, this ghost seems to only make itself known to the children. So I contacted my daughter and I said, would you be willing to videotape yourself asking a series of questions? And she said, I don't, I wouldn't know what to ask dad. And I said, what would you like to know? This girl died of the disease you have. What would you like to know? And she asked two sets of five questions each. And I thought they were great. And so that episode means a lot to me because my daughter was a part of it because I had stood in those shoes of a parent fretting over the possibility of losing my child. And they, they did. And we got great response and great results uh, in what we did on that investigation. So that one really resonates with me. And then to be able to bring that truth to the homeowner 
and have her shockingly deny it and become mm. combative about it. But I understood her position as well. Since she was a little kid, this was part of her story. Mm. Um, this is what she was told by her parents. So it's her reality. And yeah. and nobody wants to believe your parents lied to you or manipulated yeah. you. Um, so I understood where she was coming from and I understood why it was a hard pill for her to swallow. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I also think that we have to remain open to other aspects of reality, you know, and I'm not here. Listen, I said, I'm a skeptical believer. I do not believe in orbs as ghosts. And I know you've got listeners right now that are going to go, ah, but I've got one picture. Everybody's got one picture that leaves me scratching my head, but yeah, you know, I, but I'm also not a jerk. I had this woman who told me, you know, she goes, my husband and I, I want to tell you the story. My, my grandmother died a few weeks before our, our wedding and we were even thinking about canceling the wedding and no, grandma would not have wanted that. She bought this beautiful blue dress. She was going to come to our wedding. And then she goes, and I need your opinion on this. And she shows me this picture of a blue orb between her and her new husband up at the altar. Now, with that story in mind, I just looked at her and I said, I have no doubt in my mind that your grandmother was there with you that day. And I'm glad that this picture brings you comfort because I'm not there to destroy somebody's perspective or beliefs. And I cannot tell you unequivocally, 100%, that that is not your grandmother. That is just a refraction from the stained glass window that's also blue off in the left-hand corner. So I, I can't tell you that that's truly what caused that. I can think it, but I know that right now in your heart, what you need to know is, she was there. So I was able to answer that without answering it. And, you know, I don't want to rain on people's parades when it comes to that, but I also don't believe that, you know, like that was a good story and it was a good moment and a good memory mm -hmm. for her. Dee's family were spreading lies. It'd be like, okay, I die tomorrow. And suddenly, you know, 20 years from now, they start saying, oh, Dave Schrader was a pedophile and he kept a secret moat in the basement. And he would float the children's bodies out into the lake behind his house. And all of a sudden yeah. you're shredding my name. Right. And I'm, yeah. that to me is wrong because yeah. there's no, no logic to it. There's no notes. There's nothing written. There's nothing that anybody ever talked about during that time. How did you find this out? Well, you know, we heard it from people that lived there and their families and people lie. And and you can't hang a story. Yeah. And that, I think that's what we learned most from the ghosts that we investigated is they just wanted their story told right. Yeah. They I wanted someone to hear them. It's like the gossip syndrome. It's like somebody will tell you something, then that person will not think it's that interesting. So they'll add something to it, and then they'll give it to mm -hmm. someone else, and then they'll just do exactly the same. Yeah, the Even telephone game, right? Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, telephone. Yeah. And then we did, we did another... Um, Gosh, and the name always escapes me. There were these two houses, one where this girl was burned up in the attic. And then uh, once they uh, once they hung up a picture of her in the house, she it all calmed down. But then a house on a very nearby property to a family that was related to them, things started happening there. And we found out that there was a story that kind of paralleled that and that there was a young man who was injured uh, gravely and, and couldn't walk, wasn't much used to the family, and they might have mistreated him. And But there was a lot yeah. said about this guy. And I remember at one point, Cindy, Shane, and I were just standing there talking, and I, I just said out loud you know, to the spirits, I said, listen, you know, Margaret or whoever the mother's name was, we're here now and we're going to get your son's story right. You know, we just want the help so that we can make sure that people remember him for the good man he was. And we froze because in that instant that I got done saying that as we were standing in this little, very small hallway with our two camera guys, our sound guy, us, our producer and directors, we we're all kind of wondering what the next direction would be for us in the investigation. But we just took that moment to collect ourselves. There's a doorway that led up to the attic. And very loudly from that doorway, this woman's voice went, <laughs> it was like, somebody heard me. Somebody's going to do something about my son's story and get it right. And that touched all of us. It freaked us out because it was the loudest, clearest thing I've ever heard in my life. And it knocked us out. But, you know, they didn't end up using that piece of evidence in the episode. I think they did when they did they did like a series from season one where they reopened the cases and they shot out a couple more pieces of footage and like pop-up videos. They had to show up and tell a little story and, and kind of insert some stuff that they mm -hmm. missed. But that was one of the biggest holy mackerel moments for me. And the fact that I felt really 
uh, like we were doing the right job. We were doing Holzer's work. We were continuing yeah. to try to help these spirits go to rest. Yeah, you've helped. You've helped wow. that parent that lost, even mm-hmm. though it's in spirit. You've you've helped. You've helped. Yep. You've probably crossed over now because of you. I hope so. And you, I yeah. hope so. Yeah, Dakota. Wow, that's that's one hell of a story to take in. My God. But well, in that that's it is respecting the spirit realm, respecting them as though they're our own family. Even the the you know the, I have a a coming to Jesus moment in the new series with the spirit where it would have been really easy to run out screaming. And I got, uh, I can't give anything away, but I will just say that I, 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 instead of, instead of bolting, I kind of turn and confront the spirit yeah, and have this moment, this heart to heart, which kind of, you know, caught our, our directors and producers off guard. And one of the, uh, directors who was listening said, man, you brought a tear to my eye the way you, you could have taken that so differently and you just stopped and took a deep breath and dealt with this, like almost like you were dealing with a child and no, this is not how we do this. You know, let us help you. Let us do this. And, and things got a lot easier. So I've always believed in that. And, you know, you don't see it on every episode, but, um, Every episode that I end up doing, at the end of the episode, I stand either inside the location if they allow me or outside, and I just say, Lord, I just invite you to come through this building. I invite the Holy Spirit to baptize each room in the blood of Jesus Christ so that every soul and spirit that may reside here that is lost will find their way. I ask that you open up the brightest light for them, send forth their friends, lovers, relatives to welcome them back and bring them home. And any that wish to stay here, Lord, I just ask that you bind them from doing harm and allow them to be here, you know, of their own volition. And uh, any any energies that mean harm, I ask that you bind them and cast them out. And I pray this in your name. Amen. And I come at it. That's my Christian perspective. There's other ways. It's an intention is what you're setting. And I, I hope that helps. I don't know for certain, but I've been in locations where... You know, we, I, I talked about this occasion I had at Bobby Mackey's Music World um, yeah, yeah. when we were in the basement one night and, and we were doing an investigation. We had a big group and it had pared down to the night and there was only about four or five of my friends still down there and they had uh, one of the spirit boxes going and nothing's, you just hear the and I go, all right, you guys finish up. I'm going to go make sure every other place is cleared out. And as I start to walk out, the spirit box goes, Schrader. And I'm like, did I just hear that? And I just kept walking and all of a sudden it goes, Schrader. And I heard my friends go, uh, Dave, I think it's calling for you. So I turned back around and I walked over and I stood amongst them and I said, okay, I'm here. What, uh, what do you want? Pray. We all just kind of looked at each other. Okay. So we grabbed hands and we said a prayer very similar to what I just shared with you during the entire prayer. Nothing. We get done with the prayer, and it's like, you know, it's not like Hollywood where all of a sudden you feel the room start yeah. to vibrate and a white light opens uh, up and you see the souls. It's it's reality. You finish and you just stand there going, huh. Well, I hope that worked, right? And I said that. I said, I, I hope it worked. And then the only other word that came out of that box, joy. And nothing else came out of it after that. That's an, uh, just, that's so to me, that was amazing. And I told that story recently when we were at the Palmer House uh, Hotel in, in Sauk Center, Minnesota. And one of the people that was there for the Bobby Mackey thing was there with me. And, and all of a sudden, when we were talking to the spirits, I said, is there anything that we can do to help you? And it said, please pray. And we all just kind of looked at each other because I just shared that story. So everybody stopped and what they were yeah. doing, whatever belief system they were a part of, they just let me yeah. lead a prayer and we did a prayer. So I'd like to believe it helps. You know, the Bible tells you that, uh, you know, the, the Lord listens, especially if you come in voices of more than two or three. So, uh, you know, we had a group of 10 people, 20 people praying for these spirits to be released. So I'm hoping that that does something, but I know it, it doesn't hurt, right? Yeah. It doesn't, it? no. No. You could have saved thousands of souls for all you know. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. And I haven't gotten paid from one of those souls yet. I know. I know. There's 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 something to ask. 
well, real quick, much. maybe, maybe, maybe that'll be part of my heaven as well. That when I cross over all those souls that I couldn't see with my eyes or hear with yes. my ears, maybe all those souls will be there to embrace me. Yeah, they'll be waiting on you to yeah. thank you for everything you've done. Or, or if, kick my ass out. I don't know, either one. I'm going to bring up the alien subject again. I can remember yes. there was a there was a clip where you, was it Ghost Adventures, and you went to this location and you had an experience. Stardust Ranch, yeah, out yes. in Arizona. Mm-hmm. What, what was your experience? I, I know you've seen something strange in the sky. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Well, listen, this this case was so weird, and and it just happened that I had just had this guy that owned the place on my radio show, and I don't know, a couple of weeks later, Zach reached out to me and he's like, Dave, I've been trying, we've been trying to get into Skinwalker Ranch forever, and they're not having it. And this was when Bigelow still owned it, and he goes, Do you have any places that are like that? And I go, Actually, I do. Let me send you this guy's episode that we just did, and. He listened to it and he came back and he goes, can we get this location? And I said, I'll call the guy and ask. And I talked to the guy and he's like, yeah, I would love for somebody to believe me and come out here. So there were claims of aliens and cryptids and portals and UFOs and motherships and rapey ghosts and really weird stuff. And he had seen his his wife raped by a spirit and raped by aliens and her, her body hovering above the bed and all these horrific, horrific things. And he had slayed a few of them using a, like a sword. So it just sounded so absurd and ridiculous, but I wanted to go because I'm yeah. like, what are the chances? If God uh-huh. willing, I get a chance to see this, let me go. Well, we went and I was not feeling, I'm not a sensitive guy. I'm I'm not a, a, a psychic or medium. So we went there and I didn't pick up on any of this supposed energy, but you know, Billy Tolly and I were talking and we were looking up at the mountain across from us where this mothership had been seen hovering over it a few times. And he goes, what would you do if just a UFO came right over that right now? I said, I'd say, beam me up, Scotty. I'd love to go. He goes, you would really go? I go, oh, my God, who wouldn't? To get the chance to see some other places. And somehow that got twisted into, so you want to be abducted. And I think it's funny that they didn't cut it. They didn't edit it. So you see all of us in the little, like, golf carts as we're trucking around and following weird stuff. And all of a sudden, Zach goes, so Billy tells me you want to be abducted. And I go, well, I said I would want to go. No, he said you want to be abducted. I'm like, yeah, okay, I want to be abducted. And I just think it's funny that they kept that that whole little part of our conversation in. But they go, all right, well, why don't we put you up there by yourself? And you could see the three of them like he's going to chicken out. And I said, okay, let's do it. Really? You'll, you'll do that? And I'm like, yeah, let's go. I want to see this. I want to go. So as they're going up there, I'm like, you know, I'm also about to isolate myself. I could not be seen for the rest of the episode. They could cut away to one moment of nothing happening, and then that's it. End of Dave's uh, deal. So being a showman, a little P.T. Barnum in me, I'm like, well, what can I do to make sure, A, that they come back for me, and B, that they have to keep checking on me with these cameras during the remainder of this episode? That's when I took off the walkie-talkie and handed it to them and then pulled out my cell phone and handed it to them, and I said, I don't want either one of those. And they're like, "Uh, Why? I said, because if they are really watching, if the aliens are really listening and they know I have a a device that can call for help, why would they come to me? So I'm coming here, pure of heart, completely willing to let them come interact with me. And I'm going to give away all of my opportunity to communicate, all of my opportunity to reach out for help. And then Billy Tolly looks at me and he goes, there's mountain lions and rattlesnakes up here. And then one of the... One of the camera guys had a gun and he fires it off to kind of scare away anything in the immediate vicinity. And I'm like, well, you know, listen, we all got to go. So, you know, I could do it choking on a ham sandwich, uh, you know, or I could do it being eaten alive on ghost adventures. Either way, it's a win-win, right? Um, So let's go up there. So I stood up on the mountain and I had binoculars that had, they were night vision binoculars with a video camera. So I was watching and I saw this one light come trekking across the sky and it kind of stopped and I'm watching it. I'm like, holy cow, it's stopped moving. That's satellites don't stop. Planes don't just stop. And I'm looking at this thing and I started videotaping it. And then all of a sudden, boom, it just took off like a shot. So I got to see that. And then they had a light cannon. It's a night vision, like a big light cannon on the other part of the hill shooting at me so that the cameras could see me. And, uh, I start hearing like something walking around in the rocks by the light light cannon. And I can't see. And if I pull up the night vision binoculars, they're washed out because 
I'm being mm-hmm. bombarded with with IR light, mm-hmm. so I had to put them down. And I'm just trying to look. Something was definitely walking around watching me and observing me after I saw that UFO fly overhead. So that was kind of a cool moment, but I always like to laugh. I, when I hand Zach the phone and the, the, uh, the walkie-talkie, at first he was perplexed, and then all of a sudden I saw that look in his eyes of, oh, you want more TV time. <laughs> and I'm like, yes, yes, I do. So uh, I'm glad I did it. I'm glad I went up there, and I love the fact that everybody said you had brass balls, Schrader. You were up there by yourself, all everybody else. Yeah. But then I always like to remind people, let's refresh. On this mountain, all that they've ever seen is a, a weird light hovering above it. Down in the house, they've got rapey ghosts, rapey aliens, portals, creatures coming through, aliens trying to kill people. Yeah. I think I was in the safest place. Let those idiots hang out in the house. Yeah. Right? I mean, that, I'm going to stand up on a hill and see lights. Woo! Yeah. Was that the first time you'd been on TV? Was that the first time you'd been no. on TV? No, 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 was no, it? no. I, uh, I was on episode, I was like one of the final episodes of season two of Paranormal State. That's right. Um, and that was an episode called First Contact, and it was a UFO episode. Yeah. Um, so I did that. Uh, and if we want to go back even further, I am in the audience on two Oprah Winfrey episodes, and I was on <laughs> Bozo Circus when I was four years old. So, you know, you but those don't really count. That's been quite a while. Yeah. Yeah, so, uh, but my first paranormal TV appearance was on Paranormal State. My next one was on um, Ghost Adventures, the Rolling Hills Asylum episode in one of their first couple of seasons. So I've done, I think, seven episodes, seven or eight episodes of Ghost Adventures. I did, like, the Palmer House. I did the Demon House in Seattle. I did Stardust Ranch. I did Rolling Hills Asylum. Um Return to Bobby Mackey's. I'm trying to remember over 17 years, they all kind of blend together. Um, And then I did their two live Halloween specials. Uh, Then I did Haunted Salem Live. I did uh, a TV series with with Zach. It was a mini series called Paranormal Challenge that we did back in 2011. And that was a 13 episode mini series. And uh, then I did Holzer Files for two seasons. I just filmed this new season of a show called The uh, Ghosts of Devil's Perch, uh, which should air this fall. And then um, I, I also was on an episode of Haunted Hospital. Um, so I've, I've had my fair share of being out there and being seen and then hosting Darkness Radio for 17 years. I'm now half a year into my new podcast, The Paranormal 60, which yep. we do live on YouTube every Monday and Friday. And then the audio is put up on on just about every podcast app out there so people can find the Paranormal 60, 60, Paranormal 60, and tune in and check us out on that. So, yeah, I've I've had a a very lucky, rich life to get to do these things that I like to do. You're also an author of a book, are you not? Yes, I co-authored a book. Yeah, it's called The Other Side, and this book came out right after uh, Hans Holzer passed away, so we dedicated the book to him. Um, because he coined the term the other side. So we did the other side, a teen's guide to ghost hunting and the paranormal. Hey, stop it. Sorry, my cat is chewing on plastic, and he will end up puking everywhere. Hey, dummy, stop oh, it. I got one of those. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, if I if I don't stop him now, ten minutes from now, he's going to be in my living room going, that's, that's and then there's the plastic. I've got a bottle of cola. I've got but, four cats and a dog and oh, 11 kids and three wow. ex-wives and a partridge in a pear tree. Oh, my God. Yeah. So, Dakota, would you like to, before the end of the show, have you got any more questions, Dakota? Uh, no, I think I got all my questions asked, yeah. and I like how we managed to time that little segment plug right at the last few minutes. That was good. I'm a, I'm a professional. I do want to say this, though, for you and your listeners, and especially, Chris, because you opened up about your dealing with anxiety and depression. Never be ashamed. Never be afraid to open up and share that aspect of you because people may not know how to deal with it is not your fault. But I also want people that are dealing with depression and anxiety to realize that as much as we, your friends, love you and will be here for you, most of us are not trained in what to do when you are in that mode. And for those of you that are there and will get that call, the best thing you can do for a friend is just put your arm around them, hold their hand, and let them be in that moment and just let them know that they are not alone 
and don't offer them advice. Don't offer them suggestions. Don't tell them to just get over it or look on the bright side of life. Um, that doesn't work. Yeah. Depression is a crazy monkey that, that makes no sense. Yeah. It's, it's not something that, you know, listen, I've got a wonderful, beautiful wife. Mm-hmm. I've got amazing children. I get to do a job I love. Yeah. I got to walk away from corporate America almost 20 years ago and I get to be on radio, which I've wanted to do since I was a child. I get to be on TV, which I've wanted to do. I used to practice my autograph when I was seven years old because someday I wanted to be on TV. So I've, I've willed these things into existence as part of my life. Um, and I, I firmly believe that I've got everything. Why could I still be depressed? Depression knows no limits, no logic. Um, it, it does not make sense. And when you speak to somebody with depression and you bring logic, it's like sp- bringing somebody that speaks fluent French to somebody who speaks fluent Egyptian and expecting them to understand each other. The heart and the mind are two different things. And when depression is in full kick, logic makes no sense. We already know we shouldn't feel like this. We know we have a hundred reasons to feel better. You pointing it out just makes us feel like a bigger failure. So I want you to know, I know you're not trying to hurt us. You're doing your best to tough love or elevate us and escalate us, but don't, don't give in. Listen, had I pulled that trigger one more time and had that gun gone off when I was 17 years old, I wouldn't have 11 wonderful children. I wouldn't have been able to touch as many lives as I have. I wouldn't have been able to do all the things I've been able to do. The world would be radically different. I have 11 children, eight grandchildren, and and these kids are amazing, and they're going to do radical major things in life. You know, I've got yeah. military children and firefighters who have saved lives. So had I not been here for that, it would have changed dramatically. So you you do have to know that there is light at the end of the tunnel and you will get through it. And what I've learned is instead of screaming at at the storm and pushing is I stand and I let it wash over me. Now, instead of it being a punishing rain, I let it cleanse me. And I I allow myself a day or two of feeling like crap. And then I realize I got to get back up. I got to get back into the game. And that's what defines who we are as a people. So yes. I applaud you, Chris and, and Dakota for being open about your fights with depression and anxiety. And I'm sure that for some listeners out there, you are to them what I was to you and what Bruce Springsteen was to me and so on. So it, the, the chain continues. So be open, be caring, be loving. And remember, you never really know what somebody else is going through in a moment where you're already in a bad mood and you see them in a bad mood. You don't know what put them there. So sometimes in that moment, showing love, mercy, and kindness could change not only their lives, but yours. Because once you give something like that to yourself in one of the hardest moments of your life, you'll notice that you feel better. So I hope that you'll try these things and uh, reach out for help. Reach out to people that are educated and can help because there are toll-free phone numbers that are available 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Those people are trained to talk to you and know how to listen properly. So don't get frustrated with your friends and relatives. Understand most of us are not trained for this and, and people that don't live under this same insecurity cloud that the rest of us do, uh, they don't know how to process it. So please be understanding and patient for those people. Realize that the messages they're giving you, even though they may be frustrating or coming from a place of love. And for those of you giving those messages, sometimes silence is better. Sometimes just putting the arm around a friend, uh, a loved one, uh, a child that is saying, I love you and I'm here is all they ever need. Oh my God! Something's about to explode. Did you hear that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was, looking, I was honestly like to say, Dave, thank you so much for coming on, Mike. In the chat, Pleasure. Mike, I've uh, posted the link, Mike, if you want to join us after after the show, and I'll let you meet Dave Schrader because it's, I think he would love to meet you. Like so. Uh, anyway, I, I would just like to say thank you so much for coming on, Dave. And we'll my talk pleasure. To you thank you for asking me, guys. Yeah. Well, we were all bald, but I don't know how bonkers we were. I do feel a little let down by you two. I felt like I was the most bonkers of the three of us. Oh no, 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 no! You've no, you've no, 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 to, no. You've no you've, you've, yeah, you've no got to see that true side yet. I know. So that's what I'm yeah. saying. When you bring me onto a show oh. called Bald and Bonkers, I was expecting some more zany antics. I do have one, a li- one little something. Yeah. Okay, Dakota, hit me up, and then I'll say hi to all Mike, right. the naked Bigfoot. Uh, Mike, don't have a heart attack, okay? (laughs) Anyway, so, ladies and gentlemen, we do have a merch store, which did just launch an affiliate link, and oh my god, I can't focus on that face. 
<laughs> and uh, <laughs> with Dave Schrader coming on and uh, with Mike coming on as well, it's probably better than ever to show off one of our new designs. Mm-hmm. You know, perfect for us bald guys. I'm not bald. My hair is a ghost. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Yeah, it's a t-shirt coming out. My t-shirts. Uh, yeah, it's on t-shirts, mugs. You know. Oh, trust me, I have ghost hair. Do you know how many times I do the '80s? I take the middle finger, oh, put it in the middle for I the part, and then shake my head back. I can still feel the hair there. I mess my hair. <laughs> <laughs> you know, look, look at Mike. I've never seen him. Mike's, happy. Mike's never got seen the most Mike joyous smile. I just want a t-shirt with Mike's face on it going. All right. I know. Screen shot. All right. I know. Perfect. <laughs> Need a screenshot here. Need a screenshot of this, Mike. Honestly, because oh, I'm, right. I'm going to I'm going to put this. I'm going to I'm going to get a t-shirt made up just for you on it, Mike. Just, Do just it. Here, we'll blow up Mike's face real quick. Yes. A screenshot. <laughs> Well, you, okay. Now, with the tilt of the head, you went from joyous to Bond villain. I'm going to be honest with you. This, that's joyous. This is a little Bond villainy, especially with the, yeah. the beard coming down, the bald head. All you need is that Ooh. white cat you're caressing. Oh, he has, he's actually got a cat in his room. You wouldn't. Have... Well, that's fine. I've got four of them. Freaking out. So, everybody, I would like to thank everybody for coming and. Especially Dave Schrader, thank you so much for coming. Uh, we'll all talk backstage, but everybody have a great weekend, and we'll see you tomorrow night. And have a great weekend, everybody. Don't blow off any of your fingers for Fourth of July. Oh, be yeah. safe. Much love. And to the haters that didn't believe me, suck it. Yeah. Bye. One. All right.